Amen. 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 Some good looking kids. Bella Bean. <laughs> we're struggling. <laughs> Amen. Bethel loves their children, and we're so excited about being a part and being uh, the examples and the models for our children. Uh, and I pray that you take that calling very, very seriously. Uh, we talked about that a great deal in our life group this morning that you know what? The buck stops here. The buck stops with us when it comes to making a difference in our spiritual family and in our biological family. How long has that song been planned, Miss Gala? Was that one of them spur of the moment deals or what? Wow, that's kind of amazing. Uh, certainly some confirmation for me uh, because I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about uh, the bumps in life and what God's plan is for the bumps in life. But it's going to be kind of different. It's going to be uh, something you won't expect. But let me begin by telling you about this new Army private who was at the rifle range honing his shooting skills. After he emptied the first magazine in his rifle... He was totally depressed because not one bullet got anywhere near the bullseye. And so he turned in his target to the sergeant and he said, Sir, I feel like shooting myself. And the sergeant was just looking at his target and he said, Well, you better take two bullets. <laughs> you know, sometimes life can be so bad. The valley can be so dark. The night can be so miserable. You wonder if you ought not just give up and do yourself in. Life is definitely full of the ups and the downs. I read about one young man who is leading his sister up this rough, very difficult mountain path. And the sister complained, this isn't a path at all. It's all rough and bumpy. And the brother said, sure, it's a path. The bumps are what you climb on. The bumps in life are what you climb on. We all have these bumps in life. The question is, what are you doing with them? Are you complaining about the bumps in life? Or are you climbing on to greater things because of the bumps in life? The Apostle Paul was perhaps the most dedicated, most faithful disciple of Jesus Christ there was. And even Paul experienced good times and bad. Even Paul experienced up times and down times. But Acts chapter 9 gives us a little look at Paul's up times and his down times and tells us how he became a wiser and more faithful man. On page 974 in the Bibles in front of you, in Acts chapter 9, I want you to follow along with me as we read about Saul's ups and downs. Verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he found any who were of the way, that is, any who were 
Christians, Jesus' followers, whether they be women or men, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he became near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. That is, it is difficult for you to resist this temptation or this uh, conviction. And so he saw trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to ask that question out loud right now. Ready? Lord, whether you're in the ups of life or the downs of life, we need to make a habit of asking that very question. Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard a great many things about this man, how much harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. But listen to what the Lord said. The Lord said, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer, say suffer, for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laid his hands on him, saying, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. And so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he preached that Christ was the Lord in the synagogues, that he was indeed the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called upon his name in Jerusalem and who has come here for that purpose that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is 
the Christ, that he is the Savior. I want you to see that to begin with, Saul was a very prideful man. Pride in the life of a believer always causes trouble. He was a very proud man. He was a man of authority, and he was all about Saul. He was up on himself. He wanted to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. People sometimes get sold on themselves, don't they? You know anybody like that? Some people are just so arrogant, they think they're all that. Well, at one time, Paul hated Christians. He not only hated them, he persecuted them, carried a lot of them off to jail just for being believers. See, Saul thought he was better than other people. You ever run into people like that? Somebody that may have thought he was or she was better than you? Saul was one of those people. In fact, in Acts 22, he gives us a little sketch of his life. He says, I'm a Jew. Oh, he was proud to be a Jew. He was from Tarsus of Cilicia. Oh, he was proud to be from Tarsus because Tarsus was one of the three great university cities. And so Saul was real proud of how smart he was. Oh, he was a lot smarter than you. He was proud of that. He could go to Athens and debate with the intellectuals. He could go to Jerusalem and debate with the theologians. He could get on board a ship and discuss navigation with the ship's captain. He was all about how proud he was. But Paul was also proud of his past religion. Paul was Jewish. He was a Jewish Pharisee. Man, he was top of the heap. He was the most religious guy there was. He was very religious. He was very, very proud. You know, there are some people that are so proud of their religious background, they refuse to accept the truth of God's word. Maybe you've met some people like that. But to these folks, it don't make a bit of difference what God's word says because that's not the way their family believes. We need to make sure that we're not like that because that's the way Saul was. Saul was very proud, very, very arrogant. But I want to tell you a little bit about something that pride does. Pride will keep you from submitting to the will of the Lord. Did you know that? If you're so busy doing what you want to do, you won't care about doing what God wants you to do. Pride can keep you from surrendering to Christ, from giving your life to the Lord. Pride can keep you from being baptized. One of the, the major uh, ordinances in our church life. Pride keeps us from Christian service. Why? Because I want to do what I want to do. Not what Christ has asked me to do. Pride can keep you from sharing your faith. Why? I don't, I'm not too comfortable doing that. I don't know enough Bible about that. I'm a little nervous talking to people. And it keeps us from sharing our faith. Pride often leads to trouble with a capital T. Trouble with pride. In Proverbs 16, 18, the Bible says that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Friend, the sure way to trouble, you want trouble in your life? Then you just have this way of pride about you. You just have this prideful attitude. In fact, when you think about it, pride is at the core of every sin. If you're covetous, the base problem is, is that you're prideful. You want that for yourself, not for anybody else. If you're an adulterer, what's the, what's the, lowest, the lowest common denominator there? Pride. 
You want what you want, and your spouse, who cares about what they think? If you're a, a chronic liar, what's the base sin there? Pride. You want to be seen as something that you're not. Theft. If you're stealing from people, what's the, the base sin there? Pride. I want it. I'm going to get it. And no matter if it belongs to somebody else. So every sin at the core, we find pride. But Jesus teaches that pride doesn't have any place in the life of a Christian. Jesus teaches us that the way up is down. The way up is down. James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud. Did you know that? God opposes prideful people, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, I want to tell you that Paul was a proud man. Saul was a proud man, and it led to many bumps in his life. And I'll tell you this, if you got pride stored up in your heart, you might as well go ahead and prepare for the bumps in life because it's coming. It's coming. But God took care of his pride, amen? And we also find that Saul was a humbled man. Whatever goes up must come. The proud will be humbled. The proud will be humbled. On the road to Damascus, God humbled Saul in a miraculous way. Did you catch it? He journeyed, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? A bright light flashed from heaven, and it wasn't lightning, although it probably should have been. Amen? It wasn't that. It appears that it was the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. How do you know that, Bill? Well, you always compare Scripture with Scripture when you're looking to the answer to your question. So we look at some other cases where, where the great light has come and made a difference in people's lives. And when Jesus was with Peter, James, and John on the top of a mountain, the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured before them and his face shone as bright as the sun and his clothes became white as light. In another case, after Jesus rose from the grave, the Bible says that his countenance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. In fact, he was so bright that it knocked the men guarding the tomb down to the ground, just like it did Saul. The same light is probably what knocked Saul to his knees. It's a very humiliating thing to be knocked down to the ground, especially when you're in front of other people. Have you ever fallen before? What's the first thing you do? You look around and see if anybody caught you, right? Amen? Uh, it's very humiliating. Well, you know what? When you've been knocked off your high horse, when you've been knocked off your prideful high horse and you've been humbled, maybe by, by the grace of God, it can be somewhat humiliating. But God says that he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. In Acts chapter 9, verse 5 through 9, we find that Jesus asks Saul Two questions, and here's something I want to point out to you, in logical order. Two questions in logical order. The first question he asks is what? Who are you, Lord? Jesus answers him and says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then Saul asked, 
Lord, what do you want me to do? Friend, let me just tell you this. When you come to the conclusion that Jesus is your Lord, the next words out of your mouth better be, Lord, what do you want me to do? He didn't come to your, to your life. He didn't make himself known to you for no reason. There's something he wants you to do. But sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we're wrong. Is it hard for you to admit that you're wrong? How many people have come to the Lord Jesus believing that he is Lord, but they never bother to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? I pray that you have asked that question of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, is it even possible for a human being to come to the Lord but not do what he wants him to do? I don't think that's even possible. It wasn't for Saul. I mean, think about how hard it must have been for him. All prideful and everything. Saul got up opened his eyes, and he had a problem. He couldn't see. He couldn't see nothing. Now, a physical handicap will sure enough humble you. But this blindness made Saul completely helpless. That'll really humble you, won't it? Saul had to be led by the hand all the way to town. Can I just tell you right now that God can humble anybody at any time in any way. Has anybody here been humbled by the hand of God? I need to raise two hands, amen? God can absolutely crush pride at any time he chooses. We can be humbled by the death of a loved one. Boy, that'll get your attention, won't it? We can be humbled by the loss of a job. Boy, that'll really get your attention. We can be humbled by the disappointment of a friend, perhaps the breaking of our own health. We can be humbled by the loss of money or the loss of material possessions. Just when you think you got it going together, something happens and you're brought down to your knees. Saul was a prideful man who became a humbled man. But that wasn't the end for Saul. And I want you to know you may have had that prideful time in your life, and you may have been humbled, but that's not the end for you. Because we also find that Saul became a new man. Glenn told his friend Rich, Rich, I got hypnotized last week. And Glenn said, well, what does that mean? And Glenn said, well, uh, when you hypnotize a man, you get him under your power, and you make him do whatever you want. And Rich said, that's not hypnotism, that's marriage. <laughs> hey, no joke. Some people think that when you enter into marriage, that all of a sudden they're going to hypnotize their mate and make them do whatever they want them to do, make them act the way they want them to act. Some people actually think that. But how many of you know that it doesn't work that way? Amen. Truth is this. No human being can change another person. No human being can change another person. Only God can change the thinking and the life of a human being. However, 
We see that in Acts 4.13, when people saw the boldness and courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were uneducated people, ordinary men, but they were astonished. They were astonished because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Their mere association with Jesus Christ made a difference in their life. They began to act different. The old habits were history. The Bible says they become a new creation. The old things are passed away. The old things are put aside. You don't do that junk no more. Because Jesus has made a difference in your life. Peter and John were different men. They were new men. They were, they were better men. Did y'all hear that? They were better men. I want you to know we do influence people with our lives. And we should influence people with our lives. You may not be able to change somebody like Jesus did. But I'm telling you that you can influence somebody else for the glory of God. Whether you realize it or not, you're influencing somebody even today. Paul became a new man through Christ. How did it happen? Well, God used another man. Used the influence of another man named Ananias. Did you catch that in verse 10? That certain disciple named Ananias and to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise, go to that street called Straight, inquire and call upon this one, Saul of Tarsus, because he's praying. And in that vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him so that he may receive his sight. And then Ananias said, Lord, I've heard a lot about this man. I've heard a lot about how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, he is my chosen vessel. He is my chosen vessel to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, he entered into the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who has appeared to you on the road has come. He has sent me so that you may receive your sight and get this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And look at the first thing that he did. He was baptized. He received food and he was strengthened. And Saul spent several days there with the disciples. Saul needed to be humbled some more. He needed to surrender to Christ. He needed to surrender in believer's baptism. Can I just tell you that everybody needs to do that? That we all need to surrender to believer's baptism. In fact, God's word commands that we are to lead all nations to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Did you know that in the book of Acts, every single time that somebody confessed their faith in Jesus, you know what happened? They were baptized. Let me give you some examples. In Acts chapter 2, those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Acts chapter 8, when the people of Samaria believed Philip 
as he preached the things of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Acts 8, when Philip preached Jesus to that Ethiopian official, he asked, here's some water, what's preventing me from being baptized? To which Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Here in Acts chapter 9, after Paul, after Saul, was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing he wanted to do was be baptized. Acts chapter 10, Peter preached God's grace through Jesus Christ to Cornelius and his home. And after they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 16, after that incredible earthquake that freed Paul and Silas, from jail. The Philippian jailer asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And immediately, him and his family were baptized. Acts 18, after Paul testified to the Corinthians that Jesus is the Lord, many of them believed on the Lord and were baptized. See, all these people became new people, not because they were baptized, but because they placed their faith in Christ. They surrendered their lives to the Lord and became obedient to believers' baptism. Paul became a new man. And when he did, listen to this, he gained a new mission. Saul, the persecutor, became Paul, the preacher. He began telling others what had happened in his life. Instead of hurting other people, Saul began to help other people. Has the Lord made that kind of difference in your life? Are you building people up? Or are you busy knocking them down? Saul, God had a plan for Saul's life. Did you hear what, what God said? He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name to the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. A chosen instrument. God wanted to use him to spread the good news about Jesus. Can I tell you that God has a plan for your life too? God has a plan for your life too, but if you're still doing the same things you were doing before you were saved, you are becoming totally ineffective. At some point, you become a new creation and the old things are passed away. God's got a plan for your life. And can I tell you that spreading the words of Christ, spreading the good news of Jesus is part of that plan? God has called you to do that. At a men's conference, Ephesians 4.1 was emphasized over and over and over again. Ephesians 4.1 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And at the close of that conference, one man said to another, Hey, Tom, what is your job? And Tom said, I'm an ordained plumber. What did he mean? He was saying that he was a plumber, but he was ordained by God to live a worthy life plumbing. What does that mean for me and you? I think we should all feel that way. I mean, every one of us should be living a life 
worthy of the calling God has placed on us. So are you an ordained homemaker? Are you an ordained mother? Are you an ordained teacher? Are you an ordained sales clerk? Are you an ordained pipe fitter? Are you an ordained carpenter? Whatever you're doing, if you're a believer, you are ordained by God to live your life worthy of the calling He's placed on your life. I love the Peanuts cartoons. In one that I read, Lucy said to Charlie Brown, I would have made a great evangelist. Charlie Brown said, is that so? Lucy replied, yeah, I convinced a boy at my school that my religion is better than his religion. Charlie Brown said, how'd you do that? He said, she said, I hit him over the head with my lunchbox. <laughs> Friends, God's got a plan for your life. For the ups, for the downs, and for all the bumps in between. He's got a plan for your life. He has ordained you to make it through those bumps. He has ordained you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He has ordained you to spread his word. And you don't have to hit somebody over the head with a lunchbox or with a Bible in order to get them to do it. How do you do it then, Bill? Well, first you begin by building relationships. Every one of you have countless relationships in your life. Build relationships and live a life worthy of the calling God has placed on your life. Let your life be a living, breathing, walking, talking testimony of what Jesus does in the life of sinners. Build a relationship. Live the life. And give your story. Share your testimony. And you don't even have to hit them over the head with your Bible. Let them see the Word of God manifest in your life. Dale Evans, the wife of the old cowboy great Roy Rogers, is known for saying, all my life I've searched for that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But what I found was what I really needed was at the foot of the cross. Saul discovered that same truth. He discovered that Jesus was all he needed. What about you? What about you? Life is so full of ups and downs. Man, it's got those prideful moments when you're up. And it's got those humble moments when you're down. But I'm telling you, that Christ can make a difference. Jesus uses your bumps. He uses your valleys. He uses the difficult times in your life for his glory. When you're down, he pulls you up. And when you're up, when you get a little too big for your britches, when you think you're all that, he'll knock you down. That's a personal testimony, amen? So why not humble yourself before him? Why not allow him to make you into that brand new person? Because I can't do it. Your husband can't do it. Your wife can't do it. But Jesus can do it.
years later, Saul would become known as Paul, the apostle. And he wrote to a church of believers just like this one. And he said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old stuff you used to do, the old things, it's passed away. Y'all not do any of that junk no more. Behold, all things are new. I don't know what your challenge is, but if you'll humble yourself and allow Jesus to do the work, you'll see great changes can be made. So whether it's an up or a down, as Gala's song testified, God's going to be there. And he's going to use that time if you allow him to do it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for being with me through the challenges in my life. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for never turning your back on me even when I deserved it. Father, thank you for 